You're listening to Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a podcast all about pop culture that these brilliant ladies enjoy. So, heat up your kettles. It's tea time. Hello, everyone. I'm Katie. And I'm Chelsea, and you're listening to Tea Time with Katie and Chelsea, a proud member of the geek to geek Podcast Network. On this week's episode, Katie and I will be jumping back to one of our favorite types of episodes, but this time with a little bit of a twist. We're discussing rom-com movies written by men versus women. That's right, people. We're talking about movies this time, not TV shows. That's the twist. ba 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 <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I apologize. I just thought that was fun. But uh, before we get into that, Katie, what have you been up to? Well, since we took a little bit of a break this week, it's been like, I've done a lot. My list is very long. Yes. I know, yours has grown the last five minutes. Yes, it did. I added some more stuff because I've been busy and I'm always busy, which is just nightmarish. Anyways, so... uh, on the 16th, March 16th, we had an Irish dinner party. Fun. fun. Um, so we wanted to have a, a party, like a dinner party for St. Patrick's Day, but people were busy on St. Patty's. So we switched it to Friday and I cooked for my friends for the first time ever. And yeah. it went really well. So like it was me, Connor, Morgan, Erwin, uh, Emily, and MJ and Ian, and we all went to Connor's place and just had Guinness and Jameson and, and like, all of the great stuff. And then I made uh, shepherd's pie, but inside of a baked potato. Ooh, nice. So, like, you bake the potato, and then you scoop out the middle, put the shepherd's pie filling inside, and then put the mashed potatoes back on top. Like, you make mashed potatoes, and then put it in the oven. So it's a twice-baked potato shepherd's pie. Jeez, that sounds good. And it I was, even, it was I great. I want potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> you eat potatoes all the time. Yeah. Um, and then Morgan made uh, corned beef, and we had corned beef tacos. Ooh, that actually which, sounds really good. Yeah, I found a recipe for it, and it was amazing. I only got to have two tacos because everybody else destroyed the tacos. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, as you do. Yes, and then I had, we also made, um, we had broccoli for our vegetables, so we made, uh, it was like garlicky, they were supposed to be beer battered broccoli, like you fry them, but we didn't have Mm -hmm. enough time to do that, so Morgan just made them in the oven, which was Mm -hmm. really great, Um, and then I made uh, Guinness chocolate cupcakes with a whiskey, with a Jameson ganache, like a whiskey ganache. Mm-hmm. And then a, uh, was it whiskey ganache? Yeah. And then like a Bailey's frosting, Bailey's buttercream frosting. Nice. Wow. And everybody loved those very much. So. Yeah. But cupcakes are, my, cupcakes are my thing. So. Yeah. I spent the day cooking at Irwin's house before going to, to Connor's house to cook. So like I skipped part of work. I was working slash baking. Nice. And Erwin's like, C- can-, can I eat it yet? And I'm like, get, get out of the kitchen. <laughs> get out. Uh, so I did that. Uh, Michelle and I went and saw Spring Awakening at yes. Fullerton Community College. And it was an experience. So I've never seen Spring, Aw- Spring Awakening 
performed. I've listened to the soundtrack a million times because it's incredible. Uh, we went to this production at a college. Um, Michelle is, uh, she took a class from the director mm. and uh, when she was going to school. And then also one of her friends was in the show. And as part of Spring Awakening, they the cast is always on the stage the whole time as yeah. observers of the show. And they actually allow the audience to sit amongst the observers. So, like, they sit on the stage with the cast. And Michelle was like, I want to do that. So we sat on the stage and it was frightening and emotional and nerve-wracking because like everybody's staring at you and you're also sitting next to the cast members because it's like audience member cast member audience member cast member and that play is super emotional and just I was bawling like sitting on the stage trying not to make any noise (laughs) I was was wrecked and it was amazing they did a like a terrific job the singing was on point like perfect casting for every character Mort's Stiefel was like they couldn't have picked a better person to play him awesome it was so so good um I love Spring Awakening oh it's so beautiful and sad it kind of ruined all the songs for me though because the one song that I really loved I don't do sadness and uh uh Blue Wind is like my favorite song but it's also like the saddest song yes yes when you put it into context And that was depressing, but still love it. I listen to this. I can't listen to the soundtrack now without like getting emotional. Oh, it's okay though. I'll listen to it forever. Um, then I went to, I did a lot of like theater things over. That's cool. Um, Morgan, Kenny and I went to the unauthorized musical parody of Jurassic Park. Yes. The Rockwell where Jeff Goldblum played jazz music and it was the funniest uh, most amazing thing ever because it was like this super low budget <laughs> hack together <laughs> thing and they do so many of these like it's a big thing it's called the the uh umpo umpo series so they have done a bunch of different unauthorized musical parodies they did clueless and and hocus pocus and like a bunch of other ones and it was hilarious. The singing was amazing. The person that they had supposed to be Ian Malcolm, his name wasn't Ian Malcolm. His name was Jess Goldblum. Oh, And he nice. was perfect. And he would walk around and he was like, by the way, did you know that I play jazz music here on Wednesdays? And he'd hand out like little like <laughs> things to people in the audience. And it was like audience participation. And it was amazing i'll post i'll send you the link to the instagram post that i made with all the videos in it so people can watch it it's going until end of may so if you're in the la area and you want to go see it go on the rockwell la website and buy tickets because it's yes totally worth it um then i'm seeing book of mormon tonight with morgan erwin joel connor and i think connor's girlfriend daria Mm -hmm. um so excited seeing that show twice. Nobody else has seen it. So like, it's going to be oh. great. <laughs> and I'm so excited to spend time with Morgan and stuff. So I'm very, very stoked about that. Um, I finished The Punisher season one. Loved mm-hmm. it. Finished Jessica Jones season two. Loved it. Had problems with it, which you can hear all about that on the Comic Box podcast that comes out on Tuesday because I'm on it. I just finished 
recording that about 30 minutes before this one. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so you can listen to that. Rob and I had a great time talking about it, and we had a super weekly geekery, which was really funny because I've never been on his show before. Um, What else did I do? Uh, I'm going to WonderCon on Sunday, so that'll be great, and I'll talk all about that next week, probably, about how awesome WonderCon is. Yeah. And I started listening to a new podcast. <laughs> Um, this podcast is not safe for work, although I do listen to it at work. (laughs) Just with headphones on. Headphones. Headphones always. Or in my car. So I'm like dying in my car laughing on the way to work and home. Um, so I had recommended this podcast to Morgan because I thought it was amazing and like just reading about it, but I never actually started listening to it. And Morgan listens to it religiously. And we actually just got our friend Matt to start listening to it. So it's called the Potterotica Podcast. And it's these three people, um, Allie, Lindsay, and Danny, and they read erotic Harry Potter fan fiction on the show. So each season is a different fanfic, and each episode is a chapter of that fiction, of that That fanfic. That is amazing. It is so funny. So, like, they approach the authors of the stories that they want to read and ask them, can we read this? And they always get their blessing beforehand. Uh, They only pick... Uh, fanfics that are uh, that are properly erotic like there's no abuse no like bad stuff in it it's yeah. like just consensual proper like erotic stuff yes <laughs> but it's like what makes it so funny is that like they're reading it right out loud these three people like they switch off on like who reads each chapter and so they read it and it is so funny like some of them they'll tell jokes and make fun of like some of the things that are being said or they don't understand like where this is going or they'll pause and be like, Oh, that's so hot. Like get it, Ron. (laughs) (laughs) Things like that. And so they've had five seasons, but they do in between seasons, what they call quickies, which is really funny. Like one shots, one shots. And then like short parter episodes. So like if they have like, Oh, a quick four chapter fic, they'll do like small quickies and they'll do all the chapters of it. But it is so funny. Each episode, each season is a different pairing. So season one is Snape Hermione, which is weird. That is very weird. Um, Season two is Hermione Draco, which I'm totally into. Like, I'm listening to that (laughs) one right now. And I'm like, this is, I'm down for this ship. Dramine. Oh, great. (laughs) And then season three is Drary, Harry and uh, Harry and Draco. Draco. Yeah. Uh, season four, which I had, I'm skipping around a little bit on like what I want to listen to. So I listened to season four first, which is out of order, but um, yeah. that one was the Marauders. So it was Lily, James, and Sirius, and it was hot. Oh, okay. it was so good. It was so good. <laughs> My favorite thing that they do is at the end of their episode, they go, uh, now that the episode has end, check your underpants. Are you wands up or wands down? Talking about, like, the sexiness of the episode. Yes. And I just, for some reason, I love the way they say underpants. It's so funny because they make this joke because they're like, oh, wizarding underpants. <laughs> like, underpants. <laughs> it's just, it's so stupid. It's so funny. Please check out their podcast. It's incredible. It's, if you love fanfic. It's so funny to listen to other people, like, read it out loud. Uh, We were listening to it at work, and it's so hard to, like, not 
just crack Laugh up. And, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. And we decided to, like, start listening to quickies together. Like, we'll all start it at our desks together. And, like, we have a – we started a group chat <laughs> to talk about it. You have too many group chats for work. <laughs> <laughs> Some that are not okay. <laughs> But yeah, so that's what I've been doing, which is a whole bunch of stuff. So Potterotica podcast, listen to it. Yes. <laughs> All right, Chelsea, you, what have you been doing? Uh, haven't been doing too much. Uh, not definitely not as much as you. Uh, I'm back from the dead, but <laughs> which is why we took off last week because I yes. was literally dying. Um, but no, I'm I'm feeling like hundred percent better. Um, and yeah, so the, the majority of the stuff that I've actually done is like exciting stuff anyway. Cause like the most I've done this week is like, oh, I took a bus into town. Ooh, yay. Ooh. Um, no, but, uh, we went to Belfast today and we've been dying to go to this thing called St. George's Market. It's basically like a massive, like farmer's market fair type, like, that sounds almost fun. like swap swap meet kind of thing, but not oh, yeah. like it's indoors. And they have like on Saturdays they have tons of food and different like food vendors and whatnot. Um and so we went to that today and like tried a bunch of different things. Cause the thing about this country, <laughs> there's not a lot of options when it comes to the types of food. But here it was like, you know, like there's like crepes and Cuban food and paella and you know, like a falafel and like all different types of stuff. Stuff you would wouldn't get anywhere like nice close in the town I live in. So that was really fun. Uh did a lot of walking around. Um and then another thing I've done this week is I watched Queer Eye on Netflix. I've been hearing which, such great things about it. Holy crap, Katie. It is like if you need just like a burst of positivity in your life, which I did this week, it was so nice. Like, it was just so, like, wholesomely, like, good. Aww. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like I don't know. This season was just, like... Because I watched the the old show, the yeah. Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was good. Like, it was good back then. But, like, this was just... It seemed very, like, what we need right now. It was just people coming together... You know, dudes, like, helping each other out. Like, they, yeah, like, they make the guys over, but they, like, make them over, like, emotionally, too. They, they, like, every episode, you're crying. You're just like, this is so nice. Beautiful. So, that was just, you know, really nice uh, bit of media that I consumed this week. (laughs) And then, uh, for my weekly geekery, uh, today, actually, I... Like, you know, did some book shopping for, like, the first time in, like, months. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, uh, I stumbled across, uh, a table that was, like, women's, you know, month-type themed books, basically. It was like, oh, women's month, yay! Like, check out all these feminist books. And I got a book called We, W-E, Mm-hmm. Uh, the the uplifting manual for women seeking happiness, and it's actually written by Jillian Anderson and Jennifer Nadell. Wow! So I was like, oh yeah, I completely forgot Jillian wrote this book because you know I'm all about 
I'm all about Jillian Anderson. <laughs> but um, it's it's kind of a self-help book, but not. It's it's basically like it's about changing your mindset and, and like to instead of focusing so much on you and the negativity in your life, it's about focusing on like you as a part of society, you as a part of this massive group of women that you can like come together and be strong and focus on the positive things and, you know, helping others and becoming, you know, more of a we rather than a me. Nice. So that was really nice to like pick up today. And I read a little bit in a coffee shop. So that was fun. Um, And then also I bought volume two of the Rebirth series of Batgirl. Nice. Which I'm very excited about. Um, And I also picked up the Batgirl and the Birds of Prey, which I don't know how it is because I haven't heard anything about it, but I'm hoping it's good. But sounds great. We're, we're, we're hoping so so yeah um, that's f- about it for me i forgot to mention one thing oh okay what did you forget to mention because this is kind of exciting so yesterday uh i got tickets from my boss to go to the america's got talent final audition taping oh yeah i saw that yeah so i went with joel so joel and i spent like eight hours together which is the most time i've ever spent with joel in one sitting with just him which was super exciting but we got to be in the same room as a spice girl so oh snap which yeah. one mel b oh heck yes and heidi klum and uh simon cowell and tyra banks and howie mandel they were all there so we actually are in the audience sitting um behind the judges so I could possibly be on television. That's awesome. And we got you to like see, right behind them. Not like like I'm in orchestra directly behind them, but like a little ways up. So you might be able to see me. Oh, okay, cool. Possibly. I just know that it was exciting. I felt really bad for booing really bad people that were just awful at their audition, but it was exciting to like be there and do the TV stuff. So I'm very excited. It premieres May 29th. On NBC for those of us in the United States, or it could be on YouTube for everybody else to watch. There you go. (laughs) When we get closer, like if any of the auditions that I saw get like shown on the show or end up on YouTube, I'll put I'll I'll post them. Be like, I was there for this. (laughs) Zoom in to the background. There's Katie. (laughs) That's what Joel and I were joking about, like taking a photo and like circling like we're right here. You can see us. (laughs) I know. I love doing that with TV tapings. I've it's never been to a TV taping for like a big event, though. Like a reality like show. It was like Yeah, huge. exactly. Yeah, There's a lot of sitting sit around a... doing nothing, to be honest. Yes. Yes, it is. I've only been to like smaller TV tapings or like smaller audience. Yeah. So like... anyway, I just needed, I forgot about that. I wrote it down. No. And didn't even It's very it. important. It's very important. So I'm really <laughs> okay. glad you told us. <laughs> All right. Now you guys all know we are a part of the geek to geek podcast network, but have you checked out all the podcasts on our network? I'm talking geek to two, the comic box, and of course, geek to geek podcast. If you haven't yet, please check them out. Their podcasts are awesome. And this week you have extra incentive because Katie was on the comic box. So definitely go check that out. Um, They're great people. So listen now for some more info. Hi, my name is Joe Hogan, 
and I'm a geek. And if you're currently listening to this, there's a good chance you're a geek too. So check out my podcast, Geektitude. Each week, I talk with somebody about their geek aptitude. Sometimes I talk to people in a geeky profession. Sometimes it's someone doing something really cool with their geekiness. Often it's another geeky podcaster. But it's always someone who wants to share their inner geek. So join me each week as we come together to geek out about all the geeky stuff we love. And remember, this week, keep it geek. I'm Void. And I'm Beach. And together, we're the geek to geek podcast. Well, we make it. It is kind of us, but I guess it's separate. Every week, we pick a topic from geek or digital culture and chat about it for a while. And you're invited. We talk about books and movies, games, comics, the internet. Or really whatever we feel like. Yeah, that too. So look for the geek to geek podcast on iTunes. Or wherever your podcasts are sold. Or downloaded. Or whatever. Comics. Hey everyone, Rob here, your friendly neighborhood comic geek, inviting you to join me and my rotating cast of co-hosts each week on The Comic Box, where we tell you everything you need to know to become a world-class comic book geek. So join us for The Comic Box, each week, right here on the geek to geek Podcast Network. And we're back. <laughs> Is this the comic box? <laughs> I know, right? Start scatting. <laughs> Did you scat with Rob? He made me do one for like going into the news thing. He was like, oh no, you have to do it. So I did this sort of like Jeff Goldblum, like now we're tuning into the news. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> he wanted me to I, scat more and I was like, nope, not doing it. I, I scatted with him every time, I think. That's He's adorable. like, do you want to scat? And I was like, sure, why not? He's like, sweet. <laughs> Rob is great. Rob is great. All right. So jumping into our main topic, which is rom-coms written by men versus women. Now, first, we need to talk about what is a rom-com or a romantic comedy. So this comes from Wikipedia because that's where we get all our information. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very important news source. Like Yes. Okay. Number one. <laughs> Number one in the book. <laughs> so a romantic comedy film, or as it's also known as like a romedy or a rom-com, although I just say rom-com. I don't say romedy. Who romedy says that? sounds weird. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they are films with lighthearted, humorous plot lines centered on romantic ideals such as that true love is able to surmount most obstacles. <clears throat> Very vague, but you know... <laughs> basic so these movies always tend to have some sort of formula that they follow right yes so let's talk about that formula the basic plot of a romantic comedy is that two characters meet part ways due to an argument or other obstacle then ultimately reunite sometimes the two leads meet and become involved initially uh, then must confront challenges to their union. Sometimes they are hesitant to become romantically involved because they believe that they do not like each other because one of them already has a partner or because of social pressures. However, the screenwriters leave clues that suggest that the characters are in fact attracted to each other and that they would be a good love match. The protagonists often separate or seek time apart to sort out their feelings or deal with the external obstacles due to their being or sorry to their being together. While the two protagonists are separated, one or both of them usually realizes that they are ideal for each other or that 
they are in love with each other. Then, after one of the two makes some spectacular effort, sometimes called the grand gesture, to find the other person and declare their love, or through an astonishing coincidental encounter, the two meet again. <laughs> then, perhaps with some comic friction or awkwardness, they declare their love for each other, and the film ends happily. The couple does not, however, have to marry or live together happily ever after, but the ending of the romantic comedy is meant to affirm the primary importance of the love relationship in its protagonist's lives, even if they are physically separate in the end. So, I think that sums it up pretty well. Yep, like I basically every... saw every single rom-com I've ever seen when you, <laughs> when yes. you were describing that. <laughs> No, but it's true. And you know what's funny is, like, I totally figured this out at, like, 13, and it really bummed me out. Like, like yeah. at first. Like, you know, it's like you've seen behind the curtain, basically. You're uh-huh. like, wait a minute. Why do they always break up at this part of the movie? Oh, they'll get back to you. It's fine. They'll get back. But it's like, you know, you figure out, like, the wheels behind it. And at first, you're kind of bummed because you're just like, oh, there's, like, no really element of surprise. But then, you know, yeah. you kind of just have to go with it. That's why, like... Uh, I was joking with some people at work because we have a channel that has to do with uh, Hallmark Christmas movie. Oh, yes. <laughs> called the heart, the heart of TV. That's what we call it. Because like I met <laughs> a bunch of people that I had never met before at the holiday party, but I'd spoken to. And then we started bonding over Christmas Hallmark movies. And they're mm-hmm. all have the same plot. All of them. Oh, yeah. They're exact exactly same plot. the same plot. They never change. You know that, like, someone's going to meet. They're going to break up for whatever reason. They're going to hate each other. It's either she's a businesswoman, owns a business, yep. works somewhere. <laughs> like, it's always the same, like, thing. Or they, like, there's this secret that they're keeping the whole time. And then the other person finds out. And they break up. And yes, they exactly. come back together <laughs> because they compromise. I mean, even, like, even, like, uh, romantic books. It's oh, the yeah. same formula. Yeah, you know exactly what's going to happen. And you're never, like, you still react exactly the same. You're like, oh, how could they break up? They're meant for each other. And you know they're going to end up back together. But you still are so invested. Like, oh, how could they not be together? They deserve to be together. Exactly. It's you're like, like, okay, how are they going to get them back? How are they getting back? <laughs> like, God. You, still, you still are totally invested. And that's the thing. It's like, it's great. It's a great formula because it works. Yes, it so, does. There was a bit of a rom-com peak during 1990 to 2005. Now, mind you, there were obviously romantic comedies before this and after this. But just like re- currently, we are going through a comic book peak. Yes. <laughs> like a comic book movie peak. Uh, this was the time where rom-coms were everywhere. And they and were you know what? You so don't... good. They were so good, exactly. And like... I just, like, I want more of those, man. I just want more of those right now. <laughs> Picking only two was, like, which oh, two do I hard. go with? Like, so, what do I pick? So instead of picking just, like, like usually we'll pick, what, like, two shows, one ri- written by a woman, one written by a man. We thought it would be fun to pick a movie written by a woman and a man within this peak, and then we're going to also pick one more modern time. Because I think they've evolved quite a lot, you know, a lot. Much. So, so, Katie, can you tell us your two choices for the rom com peak? 
Am I just telling you them or am I going into my like... Oh, go ahead and go into your spiel. Your, your first choice being... Okay, so my first choice, which is written by a man, um, is While You Were Sleeping. Yes. Fantastic <laughs> choice. Um, it was actually written by men, to be honest. Okay, so it was written by Daniel G. Sullivan and Frederick Lebeau. Uh, it came out in 1995, and this movie stars the rom-com, like, queen, Sandra Bullock, <laughs> Bill yes. Pullman, and Peter Gallagher. Like, there's other people that were in it. Um, yes. But, but these are, like, are, like the, the main three. The, the three main people. Even though, God, I love the 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 guy who uh, is, like, her landlord or whatever. He's, like, my second. Oh, yes. He's, like, one of my favorite characters ever, and I don't remember what his name is. Anyways, I'll, I'll tell you why he's my favorite. But, okay, so the summary of this movie is, it says, a lonely transit worker, Lucy Eleanor um, Mod- Motorettes, wow, that was a jumbled last name, <laughs> played by Sandra Bullock, uh, pulls her longtime crush, Peter, who's played by Peter Gallagher, from the path of an un- oncoming train. Like, he, like, passes out onto the train tracks, and she, like, nobody was going to help him. And so she, like, runs out there and jumps down and saves his life because she's a hero. Yes. So at the hospital, doctors report that he's in a coma and a misplaced comment from Lucy causes Peter's family to assume that she is his fiance. When mm-hmm. and when Lucy doesn't correct them, they take her into their home and confidence and things get even more complicated when she finds herself falling for Peter's sheepish brother, Jack, played by Bill Pullman. Oh, my God. This is. <laughs> One of my all-time favorite rom-coms ever. Because Same I, here. I love Bill Pullman so much, and I love Sandra Bullock. Yes. I grew up watching this movie all the oh time. Oh, my God, right? I don't think my mom's ever seen it. but What? I know, I know. And it's, it's my like, mom's number one favorite. It's so good. So this is what's funny is, like, I find that... that um. Okay, so, like, my second choice, like, I'll, I'll explain it in a second. So, my second choice, okay. which is a film written by uh, a woman, is You've Got Mail. Yes. And, oh, it's women. Just kidding. And it's written by Nora Efron and Dahlia Efron. So, I think, I can't remember if they're, like, I think they're sisters. Like they're I think it's, re- yeah, I think it's her sister. So, it came out in 1999, and this stars Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, Parker Posey, and Greg Kinnear. This is probably my second all-time favorite romantic comedy because Tom Hanks, Meg Ryan, you cannot go wrong. Sleep with Classic. Seattle, um, like just everything, like anything that they're <laughs> in together. I love yes. it. So this movie is about a struggling boutique bookseller named Kathleen Kelly, played by Meg Ryan, hates Joe Fox, played by Tom Hanks, the owner of a corporate Fox Books chain store that just moved in across the street. When they meet online, however, they begin an intense and anonymous internet romance, oblivious of each other's true identity. Eventually, Joe learns that the enchanting woman he's involved with is actually his business rival. He must now struggle to reconcile his life his real life dislikes for her with the cyber love he's come to feel. So this movie was like the first movie, one of the first movies that came out that big time involved online dating. Yeah. And it's You've Got Mail, which is obviously a reference to AOL. So AOL was hardcore like in this movie. And it's part of the only reason. I mean, there's other reasons, but one of the biggest reasons I still have AOL email addresses. <laughs> 
Are you serious? Don't you have to pay for it? We do still pay for it, actually. They have a free oh, one. Oh, my goodness. So they have a free AOL, but um, we lose our email addresses that I've had for like 15 plus years. Wow. Do you still get emails in it? Yeah. I still use them frequently. Oh, okay. I use my Gmail the most. Well, yeah, you pay but, for it. You might as well. But I still use it all the time. Um, but anyways, well. so this, this, what I was going to say is that um, it's crazy to think just how equally great these two movies are. Yeah. Um, Being written by completely different people. And they're like, yeah. for me, like same level amazingness. So no, I would agree. Ugh, I don't. I know you have a bunch of questions that we're gonna answer. So <laughs> yes, your turn yes, so. to talk about the two that you chose. All right. So my first choice, written by a man, is The Cutting Edge. Yeah. Have you seen this? I love this movie so much. <laughs> yes. Okay. Good. Good. I love this movie. It's so, so it's written by Tony Gilroy, who, by the way, did the Bourne movies. What? As in, like Jason Bourne. <laughs> And he wrote The Cutting Edge. Yes. I'm dying. Okay, keep going. I love this movie okay. so much. This came out in 1992, which is when I was born, but I watched it so much growing up. Okay. It's an ice skating movie, bro. Yes. I, I, I always watch ice skating movies. Are you kidding me? Okay. It stars Moira Kelly and D.B. Sweeney. Uh, the plot is about a very rich, spoiled figure skater who is paired with has-been ice hockey player for Olympic figure skating. Competing at the 1992 Winter Olympics, they have a climactic face-off against a Soviet pair. (laughs) Just Russian ice skating. Yes. The Russian ice skating team. Classic America facing Russia. (laughs) Basically classic just Olympic Olympics, Winter Olympics. Yes, exactly. I, oh. Okay, I just love that movie. So but much. anyway, b- before we get into that, uh, second choice written by a woman is 10 Things I Hate About You." Oh, so good. Again, another fave. Uh, written by Karen Mikala. Is that that sounds like M- right? Right. Mikula Mikala sounds Mikula? great. And Kirsten Smith. It came out in 1999, starring Julia Stiles, Heath Ledger, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Larissa Olenek. Yeah. yeah, cool. A modern, it, it's a modernization of William Shakespeare's late 16th century comedy, The Taming of the Shrew, retold in a late 1990s American high school setting. In the story, new student Cameron, played by Joseph Gordon-Levitt, is smitten with Bianca Oilnik. I can't say that name. And in order to get around her father's strict rules on dating, attempts to get bad boy Patrick Heath Ledger to date Bianca's ill-tempered sister, Kat, played by Julia Stiles. R.I.P. Heath Ledger. R.I.P. For real. All right, so jumping into some questions about these four, technically. uh, Do you feel there's a difference in the writing between your two choices? I know you just said that they are very similar, or at least similar in quality. But do you feel like there's any type of difference there? Um, as far as, like, while you were sleeping, it feels like they sort of make Sandra Bullock's character out to be a little bit more of a villain, if you want to think about it that way, because uh, she's lying to his family. 
about being his fiance while also falling in love with the brother. And she like carries this lie like super far to almost the point where she's going to get married to this person that she's never actually met. Yes. So very true. They kind of make her out to be this like not um like she's a great character but at the same time they kind of make her more of this like oh she's lying oh she's doing this but um while also like falling in love with bill pullman's character so So they're putting more the emphasis on how great bill pullman is yes rather than than her which is Mm -hmm. uh which you it's very it which is the total opposite of you've got mail so um, and you got and you've got male uh, Joe Fox. He finds out that Kathleen Kelly is shop girl that he's been talking to on AOL, like online. So he mm. finds out, but doesn't say anything to her. Like doesn't let her know that he's the guy. He's NY one five two, the guy mm-hmm. that she's been talking to. So he's more of the villain. So he's the one who's he's like. The big Fox Books bad guy coming after her cute little bookstore shop around the corner and mm-hmm. puts her out of business, but then, like, secretly tries to woo, like, swoon her, like, woo her over and get her to like him, even though she hates him, but also likes him. It's very confusing. But the emphasis yeah. is more on him being the bad guy, like, the so called bad guy with quotes around it versus. Uh, while you were sleeping, she's made out to be more of the, like, bad guy. Because yes. she's the one who's lying, whereas Joe's the one that's lying. Yes. Well, that's a good difference. Um, I would say there's something similar with The Cutting Edge in that... Not that Moira Kelly's character, which... What was... I don't even, do you remember her character's name? Oh, I didn't write it down. That's terrible of me. Um... But her character is supposed to be like, oh, this spoiled rich girl, Mm -hmm. you know, very uptight. And, you know, she but really it's just she's like super dedicated to her sport. (laughs) It's Kate Mosley and Doug Dorsey. Perfect. Thank you. Because their names like rhyme together. Kate Mosley and Doug Dorsey. (laughs) Perfect. So, yeah, Kate, Kate's very ambitious. She wants to win the Olympics. She, you know. She's good at her sport, but she needs a partner, you know, obviously in order to win. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, this like hockey player comes in like, oh, sure, I'll save the day, you know, like all, you know, but he can't quite get the delicacy of <laughs> figure skating. Toe you know? pick. <laughs> Toe pick. <laughs> <laughs> um. So in a way, like, he comes in and is sort of the hero and kind of loosens her up a little bit and, like, shows her a bit of fun, you know, whereas um, the same thing actually technically happens in 10 Things I Hate About You, but instead of just giving, not giving in, but yeah, giving into it, like, Kat very much stands up for herself in 10 Things I Hate About You and is very true to herself, like, even though she does, like, loosen up and let him in. Uh, Patrick in, she does stick to her morals and her standards. And as soon as she finds out that he's been lying to her, like, you know, it's like, no. Like, and, and even when he tries to, like, woo her back, she's very much like, oh, you think you can just buy me a guitar and everything will be fine? <laughs> I love that he's like, well, then I can buy you a drums and a bass. Drums? And he goes, and maybe one day a tambourine. And I'm just like, oh. 
I love you. Yes. <laughs> but yeah, so um I think you can see a bit of a difference there in terms of like like uh Moira Kelly's just very, you know, it's kind of like she has to let her guard down, mm-hmm. you know, in order to accomplish what they're trying to together. And, uh, you know, with, with Kat, it's like, she does let her guard down, but on her own terms. Yes. You know? So I think that's kind of the main difference, you know? And also there's ice skating in one and then high school in the other. <laughs> oh my God. And the, they gotta, they gotta, you know, it's, they gotta do that Pamchenko, which is a move that doesn't actually exist, nor is it possible. <laughs> Exactly. Topic. Topic. <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh, okay. Next question. Do you f- is the female lead well developed? Now this goes for both of your female leads. I think so. Um I think that in both they do a pretty decent job of giving the lead female kind of a story arc and giving her development like um in uh while you were sleeping you see a lot of like her pining over Peter. That's what she does is like, that's why she saves him. Like, obviously, because she's a good person, she saves him. But also, um, she pines after him. Sees him him every day. She sees him every day and has never talked to him. But she pines about the life that she thinks she could have with him without realizing that he's not the person for her Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Um, They did kind of follow that one storyline that rom-coms have a tendency to do where she is alone, like, lives at home by herself. She doesn't have a significant... Has a cat. Has a cat. She has no family because, like, she used to spend all this time with her dad. This is like a Christmassy movie. So, uh, you know, her dad passed away and they have all these Christmas traditions and she doesn't have any family. And she... She says it perfectly towards the end. She goes, I fell in love with you. And, and like that Peter Boyle is like, no, me? And she goes, well, yes, but like all of you. Because she yeah. goes from being okay with being alone to finding a whole family. So that was great to kind of watch her character develop into like falling in love, not just with uh, Jack, but also with his whole family dynamic. And with... You've got male, you see her realize that the relationship that she has with Greg Kinnear's character isn't the one that she wants to have. Because she's having this, like, it's it's interesting because it could be kind of considered cheating. Like, what she's doing. Because she's talking to this dude online while she's got that a relationship. That would definitely be cheating today. Yeah, for sure. Like, by I today's mean, standards. Yeah, and, like, she develops this weird relationship with this person that she's never met, and it's online, so it's new, and you're seeing her kind of go through her life while also navigating new technology, and then Mm -hmm. going from hating somebody to being okay with them as time progresses over, and learning that he's, you know, different, that he's not who she thought he was, kind of thing. So it's great. Good character development. Yes. Um, I would say, I mean, definitely Kat is pretty well developed, although, um, I mean, at first she's very, like, stereotypical feminist, like, (laughs) you know, very, uh, hard edge, you know, uh, only listens to, like, female musician, that kind of thing, like, but, I mean, you do see her develop throughout the movie, um, same with Kate. Kate, right? Kate? Kate. Kate and Doug. Kate yeah. Mosley. Same with 
Kate, same with Kate. Uh, I would say they could have developed her a little bit more in terms of like, you know, why she was so ambitious and maybe stubborn to like let anyone in. I mean, she kind of was, she, they kind of open up and she kind of opens up in one scene where they like, I think they like play music on the stereo and they like dance out things. But, um, I mean, they very much make her like the spoiled, you -hmm. know, daddy's girl, like, you know, wants to win at everything kind of thing. But, um, they could have definitely developed her a little bit better, but I would say overall, like it's there, it could have been worse. <laughs> yes, it could have been worse for sure. So you talked a little bit about while you were sleeping, having that big trope of you know living alone, having a cat, and dad dying and stuff. But would you? Would are there any other tropes in like in You Got Mail or anything else that stands out really big, like big oh. classic rom-com tropes? Oh, yeah, definitely the, like, meeting meeting for the first time, being okay with each other, finding out exactly who the other person is and hating them, and then learning to like them, and then turns out that he's the person that you've been looking for the whole time. <laughs> yes. That's, like, that description you gave of, like, the classic tropes for, like, <laughs> yes. that was 100% You've Got Mail the whole way through. <laughs> Exactly. And you know what? I'm there for it because it was fantastic. Oh, yeah. So I good. mean, for 10 Things I Hate About You, you've got Patrick singing in the stands. <gasps> like, the best part of that movie. <laughs> like, I would say that's a big trope because, you know, there's always like the grand gesture of like you're either wooing the girl or like winning her back is like either a song or... Or just like a big, you know, flashy number or something like that. Oh yeah, so that's there's... definitely a big trope there. There was um, definitely grand gestures in both of my movies too. And then the cutting edge, there was kind of like that. Oh, like here's this like secret about my past that you didn't know until now, and like oh no, that's like ruined our friendship. But then like we got to work through it. <laughs> Because we're skating partners and we have to win. Exactly. So are these tropes, like, do they make or break your movie? Oh, no, they make it totally better because you know what's going to happen. Which is funny because, like, you would think that you'd get tired of it after a while. But Mm -hmm. they have enough wiggle room to sort of change up the grand gesture a little bit. So, like, the grand gesture, I think, in in uh you've got mail is he shows up at her door with the flowers with the daisies when she's sick and that's sort Mm -hmm. of his like i'm so sorry i put you out of business but i still care about you and then at the end oh my god when she goes to the park to meet him and he shows up with the dog and she's like i was hoping it was you and i was like me too i wanted it to be you (laughs) (laughs) um and then the grand gesture i think for you've got mail is or uh, for while you were sleeping was uh, like she uh, confesses that she's been lying this whole time. And then he shows up at the platform and drops the ring into the thing. And he was like, I need to ask you a question. And she goes, not without a token. And then he drops a token in and then comes into the room to like ask her to marry him. And the whole family is there. I need to watch this movie again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I would agree. the uh, The tropes definitely 
make the movies. You know, like, like you said, you could, you, you'd think you'd get sick of them, but you just don't. No, it, you don't get tired you of it don't. at all. So why do you think women are more drawn to this type of genre? Um, I think it's because you kind of get a whole package. So it's a lot of like, um, I mean, it's, some of it's unrealistic, like a lot of it, but I think that a lot of people want that grand gesture. I'm just making broad generalizations here, but, um, like the grand gesture, like how many times have we watched a movie and you're just like, oh my God, what's he going to do to like win her back? And he, like, he does something or whatever, or she does something that's, like, this grand gesture to, like, say, like, I'm so in love with you, I need you kind of thing. Um, And it's, (laughs) you're just like, oh, my God, I'm totally here for it. And I think it's because a lot of times it's more of this idealistic romance, too, which a lot of people like, is that even though it seems unrealistic, it's something that we can fantasize about like both men and women but like women tend to be drawn more to this i think it's because we just enjoy it a lot of the time we i feel like women tend to enjoy more of like the little moments like you know the the light touches the the romance of getting to know each other and to like know each other on a deeper level and Mm -hmm. you know women are all about that like knowing each other emotionally it's you know that's how we connect yeah And I think it's, like, it's equal parts, like, romance and comedy. So you're there for, like, the, oh, that's so beautiful. Like, how could he do that? But at the same time, you're like, Mm -hmm. oh, my God, that's so funny. Because he's totally freaking out. He goes, he goes, I knew she was beautiful. And he's, like, freaking out. And then he finds (laughs) out she's Kathleen Kelly. And he's like, oh, God, Kathleen Kelly. So it's, like, I don't know. Great. Exactly. Um. So I think I'm going to, like, skip through a few of these questions because we're already, like, 49 minutes into this thing. It's because we're talking about our favorite thing, to be honest. I know. (laughs) I know. Um, So last question for this section, and then we'll jump into our next section, which is... And so how do you think these movies got it right? Um, Or, Or, yeah, what do you feel like these movies got right? I think they did a good job of, oh God, for some reason, like movies in the 90s were just so good at like getting this quick storyline that gives you everything that you want. Um, Mm -hmm. Because like while you were sleeping, it's giving you not just the hilarity of like her trying to figure out like, does she really love Peter? But she's also got this thing for Jack and like these dumb, ridiculous things happen. Like they're pushing the couch into the thing, into the house and like knock over the blue the blue flower water onto the white carpet. And they're like, oh my God. And they just put the couch in the middle of the room to cover it up. <laughs> but also like you get, sometimes you get like these really great peripheral characters too on the side. Like my favorite character in While You Were Sleeping is the guy who's the landlord. And I yes. can't remember what his name is, but my favorite thing about him, he's like, he goes, yo, loose. And she's like, what? She was like, do you need me to... Are you okay over there? He, she goes, why? He's like, because he looks like he's uh, leaning. <laughs> like leaning towards him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's my favorite thing ever. And you know what? After you notice that, you're like, oh, yeah, yeah. He's definitely leaning. Like you can see mm-hmm. it. And then it happens in every rock. <laughs> it totally does. <laughs> but like, 
they do a great job of like giving you a full storyline, giving you peripheral characters that you can love that give you some comedy and then also help amp up the drama and push the story forward. I don't know. They just did a great job in the like 90s to early 2000s of like making these movies so freaking fantastic. I agree. I think it, you know, it doesn't take itself too seriously by giving you that comedy, you know, so it's just some like good lighthearted fun. Mm hmm. Excellent. So let's zoom into the modern choices, which we picked movies between or roughly between 2010 and 2018. Yes. Um, uh, so, Katie, what is your first choice for these? Okay. So my movies ended up being on the early side of the spectrum that we just gave. <laughs> like, very. Yeah. Like, no, no the, worries. In 2000, like the early, like the early part of it, whatever. So first choice written by women <laughs> is what's your number? I love mm-hmm. this movie so much. Written by uh, Gabrielle Allen and Jennifer Crittenden, and it came out in 2011, and this movie stars Anna Ferris and my beloved Chris Evans. Also, yes. Chris Pratt is also in this movie, and Martin Freeman, and like so many people, but great movie. So this movie is about Allie Darling, who's played by Anna Ferris, is realizing she's a little lost in her life. Uh, Her latest romance has just fizzled out, and she's just been fired from her marketing job. Then she reads an eye-opening magazine article that warns that 96% of women who've been with 20 or more lovers are unlikely to find a husband. Determined to turn her life around and prove the article wrong, Allie embarks on a mission to find the perfect mate from among her numerous ex-boyfriends. And so that's a great film. Interesting. My second choice, which is written by a a man, yes, a man, which is Easy A. So I went back and forth about whether or not this is actually a rom com, but I love this movie too much to not put it here. It's listed yeah. as a rom com, but it's there's so much more going on besides the romance, so it's like I still think it iffy. qualifies. Anyway, it works. It does. So it's written by Burt V. Royal. It came out in 2010, and it stars Emma Stone, uh, Amanda Bynes, uh, Dan Bird, Ali Mashaka, um, <laughs> Thomas Hayden Church, Patricia Clarkson, and Stanley Tucci. Stanley, Bless. The, the parents are my favorite part of this entire movie, to be honest. Literally, the, the best part. Oh, my God. It's the kind of parents I want to be in my life. So Yes. Yeah. Uh, This movie is about, uh, this is the summary. So prompted by her popular best friend to spill details of her boring weekend, Olive, played by Emma Stone, a clean cut teen decides to spice things up by telling a little lie about losing her virginity. Then when the high school busybody, Amanda Bynes, (laughs) overhears the conversation and spreads it all over campus, Olive is suddenly notorious, but for all the wrong reasons. Drama. High school. Drama. <laughs> All right. Jumping into my picks. Uh, first choice written by a woman is Trainwreck, written by Amy Schumer. This came out in 2015, starring Amy Schumer and Bill Hader. Uh, the film is about a hard-drinking, free-spirited young magazine writer named Amy Townsend, played by Schumer, who has her first serious relationship with a prominent sports doctor named Aaron, played by Bill Hader. All right, so second choice is written by a man. It's called When in Rome, and it's actually written by uh, two two men, three men? 
<laughs> There's three names there, I think. It's two. I think that Johnson one is the wrong one. Okay. So it's written by David Diamond and David Wiseman. Uh, it came out in 2010, starring Kristen Bell and Josh Dumal. Mm. Right? That's how you say it? Dumal, yeah. 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 Disillusioned with romance, Beth, an ambitious New Yorker, played by Kristen Bell, travels to Rome where she plucks magic coins from a special fountain, the Trevi Fountain. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like they couldn't just name it. No. <laughs> <laughs> the coins attract an assortment of odd suitors, including a sausage sausage merchant, a street magician, and an artist. But when a persistent reporter, Josh Dumal, throws his hat in the ring, Beth wonders if his love is the real thing. Oh my god. So, jumping quick into the questions, how do you feel that rom-coms have evolved from rom-com peak to current? Um, To be honest, it was actually kind of hard to find rom-coms that were more modern. Like, I agree. closer to, because if you notice, all of ours are really close to the 2010 side. More yeah, than. which is closer to the peak. Yeah. And even though we skipped, like, five years in there... Like, there's still a lot, like, within that five years. And for some reason, there's not as many outside of that. Um, But I've noticed that, like, things are a lot different um, in that uh, for What's Your Number, this movie was written by women, but it's, like, much more more free-spirited, I feel like. It's much more, uh, this is very, like, involves a lot of, like, uh, sexual undertones, much more sexual awakening kind of thing, like trying to get Allie to be okay with the fact that she's been with a lot of people, like been with a lot of men in her lifetime. Um, But her story is a little bit more convoluted, which is really weird because it's like her being ashamed of being with so many people, but then having to be okay with it. But then going over 20 is freaking her out. And it's, it's very weird that that, ended up being a story written by women that was kind of a little bit more shaming on the sexual side. Yeah, I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah. And um, Easy A is this much more, like, her embracing this lie. Mm -hmm. And, like, it also has a lot of sexual undertones because all of a sudden Olive is, like, pretending that she had sex with all of these people, but they're still bringing in that shaming on the sex side. Because she, like, embraces yeah. it, but there's other characters that are shaming her for it. Whereas in What's Your Number, she's... Has shaming herself? Shaming herself a little bit for it. Yeah, which is... It's interesting that EZA did, like, a much better job of talking about slut-shaming, but not in a, like, you know, oh, they're right to slut-shame me. It's like, no, like, they're really wrong to slut-shame me because, you know, even though I haven't slept with all these guys, like, who cares if I did? I can do what I want. Exactly, which is kind of what she goes into with that video at the end, like, her talking about, like, so Mm -hmm. what if I did all this stuff? Like, it's nobody's business. Yep. So. Exactly. Um, I feel like with mine, it's very, uh, kind of similar themed in terms of, like, uh, in Trainwreck, Amy Schumer is very much, like, sexual, you know, dating around, casual sex, that kind of thing. Um, and she kind of has a, she kind of has a hard time, like, settling down with one person and kind of, you know, accepting emotionally that she can settle down with, like, one person. Mm-hmm. Which I actually think is kind of a, uh, 
common theme among like around that time, which it was 2015. But I mean, Mm -hmm. I definitely feel like around that time it was very like, oh, I want to be like have this sexual awakening and be, you know, chill with casual sex like for women. And but at the same time, like. We we struggle in the sense that like, but also don't we always just want to end up with one person? Not to say that that's how it is. I'm just saying that's definitely like the trope, I yeah. think, is like, oh, yeah, sure. Go have all the casual sex you want. But then you definitely want to settle down with one person. right? <laughs> yes. That's not a choice for everyone. But I'm just saying like, that's definitely the trope that's within that movie. Yeah. Um. With When in Rome, uh. I feel like it's actually, When in Rome is very, very much like the peak rom-com era. Mm -hmm. Like, when I was watching it, I was like, oh, they're just trying to hit every trope here. Like, they, (laughs) and, and you can tell, like, you can tell they know it too. Like, like they did an end credits, like, lip sync dance thing. And I was like, oh, classic, classic rom-com. I'm here for it. (laughs) So I feel like they stuck to more traditional stuff, but instead of having the girl be like the, oh no, I'm quirky and I tripped and I fell into this hot young man's arms. It's like, actually like the guy was the quirky one. He was the one that like kept dropping things and kept, well, they kind of both did. They kind of both were like dropping things or like falling into things or, you know, they were both very, very klutzy. So that was kind of good to see like that. It wasn't just like the adorable girl, but like actually the adorable guy as well. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) So do you feel like we already talked kind of about the differences, I guess, between our choices, but do you feel like your female leads are well developed? Um, I feel like definitely for Easy A, I felt like she really developed because she started out like it's so funny because once again it was like kind of that like she was sort of made out to be the villain again. Um, mm-hmm. in this, even though like you're supposed to see Amanda Bynes' character as being the slut shamey, like you should be pure, like, she's part of, like, the purity club at work, at school, and, like, you know, all of this stuff, and she's, like, slut-shaming her, like, this girl so bad, because she told Mm -hmm. one lie, and then it sort of escalated into something so much bigger than that, when she didn't want to be like that, but she embraces it, so you see her go through this sort of phase of, like, trying to deny it, then moving into embracing it, to it going so much further than she anticipated to trying to pull out of it. Yeah. Um, I love that they sort of focus on it being just, like, very Scarlet Letter. And then she starts walking around in these, like, amazing outfits with the A's on them. And, like, I like how yes. she aggressively sews all the A's on her glove. She's like, ow, ow, ow. <laughs> But she sort of takes it in stride. I love the way that she sort of takes the criticism when she's, like, saying stuff to her, like Amanda Bond. She's like, oh, burn, like her friend saying all this stuff. She's like, oh, this is awful. And I'm like, God, I love you, Emma Stone, so much. Right. But So she's not perfect. Like, she's she's a pretty well-rounded character. They give them more flaws, I've noticed, that, like, uh, rom-coms now, you're seeing many more flaws for the characters um on both Mm -hmm. sides that like neither character is perfect which is always part like it's always been a trope for that but like 
Uh, Chris Evans' character has his stuff together a little bit more, even though they still make him out to be like a super ladies man that he slept with everybody in the Boston area. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Where, like, she's, they show her being a mess too, but like trying to figure figure out her way through this world that she's given herself and embrace like who she really is. And that being with 19 guys is fine. Yes. So. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I feel like with, uh, with train wreck, it's pretty well developed in the sense that, you know, you see her, like, she's just, like, this party girl at the beginning, like, clearly maybe has a, you know, bit of an alcohol problem, <laughs> like, <laughs> bringing wine into the theater. That's my um, girl. Oh, yeah. But then you see her, like, when she becomes, like, in, an, in a stable relationship, she, you know, kind of breaks down emotionally, and, you know, she's clearly has a lot of, like, issues with her father, or at least, like, difficulty in, like, not, not being, like, being friendly with him but just you know difficulty in their relationship with his health and everything so I mean you definitely like dive into her background and maybe kind of why she feels this way like with her you know her dad practically raising her to tell her that monogamy isn't real Mm -hmm. you know so of course she's gonna have trouble settling down into a relationship um but then with when in Rome, it's actually the same thing. She, Beth is very, very like, oh, I'm never going to find the right person. Look at you, dad. Like you've, you know, uh, left mom and fallen in love with women after women after women. And like, he's like, yeah, but falling in love is like worth it. And so she kind of has to realize like, you know, yeah, I, I am, you know, I may get hurt by putting my heart out on the line, but you know, maybe it's worth it for the right person, basically. And she, well, the one thing I was kind of like, it was a little cringy. She was very much like, I love my job. And if I find a man who I love more than my job, then then that's when I know that's the right person. I was kind of like, honey. Okay. I was like, eh, I don't know if I'd put it like that, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> If I love a man more than my job, like you can love your job, you can love your job a lot and it not compete with the man in your life. That's that the you know. <laughs> yep. Yep. <clears throat> All right. So has the audience for rom coms changed? Do you feel? Um, I feel like it's sort of getting more both. Both sides. So, like, more men and more women. Because I feel like they're upping the comedy, yeah. right? They're more gearing... I've noticed that, like, the early ones have been geared... Like, it still kind of stick to the same tropes, but are adding more comedy. But I feel like ones now are, like, focusing more on the comedic side than on the romantic side to sort of draw yeah. in um, more people. So, like, it that they're not yeah. just appealing to women, that they're, like, oh, you can come and watch this rom-com that's both funny and it has hints of romance in it. To, like, because yeah. they, they think that, you know, only women are seeing these movies, but that's not always true, so. No. Well, and I think, too, they'll try to add in a different kind of element. Like, um, you were talking about another movie you almost chose that was, like, a rom-com, but, like, with action. Oh, my God, this means well. war. <laughs> Yeah. So it's like, I feel like they're also trying to bring in kind of other genres as well to kind of be like, 
look, like everyone can enjoy this because it's got a little bit of both, which I think is nice, actually. It's nice to see them sort of try to change up the tropes a little bit so that it's not just romance and comedy. Like, This Means War, which has Chris Pine, Tom Hardy, and Reese Witherspoon in it. Great film, by the way. Check it out because uh, Mm -hmm. Chris Pine and Tom Hardy. Um, But it has this, like, because they play, like, CIA spies. So they're, like, fighting with each other. And then there's, like, bad guys. So there's, like, this action. There's a bunch of action scenes and stuff with, like, explosions and stuff. But still this ridiculous romance of them, like, fighting over this girl. And it's so funny. (laughs) But they also blow stuff up. So it's, like, a little bit of everything. All right, so what are some big rom-com tropes that were in your movie choices? Oh, they're all still the same. Like, Are they? I mean, especially for uh, uh, What's Your Number is was more rom-com-y than, like, Easy A. Yeah. Uh, but definitely, uh, What's Your Number, you've got the uh, girl who, like, she sleeps with Joe McHale's Joel McHale's character instantly regrets it and now she's at like her high number that she doesn't want to be at then there's the guy who lives across the way who's her neighbor who's super attractive and is sleeping with all the women who answers his door naked to pick up his like with just a towel just oh god Chris Evans oh my god but it's a lot of like her uh getting involved with him because like she wants his help with something and then realizing that He's something more to her and then like him falling for her and then she falling for him and then her getting mad at him for something and then they break up (laughs) and then she's the one who makes the grand gesture, which I love. That's what's different about that movie is that she realizes that she's in love with him and not with the guy that she thought she was supposed to be with because Mm -hmm. he supports her and like it makes her feel like the way that she wants to feel and she's the one who bikes and drives and runs across town to find him because he's a wedding musician and he's at another thing and like climbs over the wall and like gets up there to like fake sing and gets him to like be with her like talk to him and then she gives the big speech and he picks her it's like the only other movie that's coming to mind that i can think of is 27 dresses because she also makes this the makes the big gesture oh yeah in that one too the speech is such a trope too. Oh, the oh my big gosh. speech is a big trope for rom coms. <laughs> but I like the that's what that's what I've noticed is that they're now switching up the who makes the grand gesture. Yes, that I like that as it's well. It's her versus him. So it's like her in what's your oh. number? What? Like in Trainwreck, Trainwreck, Amy Schumer, or well, Amy Townsend, makes this super grand gesture at the end for Bill Hader. So he's a he's a sports uh doctor. So <laughs> She gets the whole, like, cheerleading squad to choreograph a dance that she plays, or or, that she dances to his favorite song, (gasps) which is Uptown Girl. Oh my god. So, like, Amy Schumer is not, like, a, you know, a dancer, or she is not a cheerleader, basically. So she goes for as far as she can go, but then she starts getting, like, worn out. (laughs) Like, oh god. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but it's so cute because, like, you know, it's it's his song. It's his song that he listens to when he's in surgery, you know. And so it's like it was a big gesture towards him and trying to win him, yeah. you know, back. So I agree. I think that's definitely, like, the trope flipped in a way. Yeah, um, definitely. With When in Rome, the, the trope, the trope that I really like is... Uh, 
oh, what was it? What was it gonna be? Oh, the I need to get across town, but everything in the universe is against me. It's <laughs> in your number two. Which is why she like drives, bikes, runs. I think she was on a horse at one point. <laughs> With when in Rome, it's like she's got all those suitors that were after her, and she finally convinces them to like help her get across town to the, her art opening. And they go into this like little Italian car. He's like, "Oh no problem, y'all fit in." <laughs> and it's like five or six people in this teeny tiny Italian car, oh my God. and and it's like, you know the. The lightning and rain like, and rain traffic. and traffic and they're having to drive through all the little cars. Oh, Fantastic. Man, it happens every time. Happened in Notting Hill in uh Win yes. a Date with Tad Hamilton in um yes. twenty seven dresses. Like she has to jump off a platform onto a boat. Like <laughs> <laughs> I love these tropes so, so much. Good. But and they kind of have changed over time, but like we said, like it's yeah. it's different who makes the gesture or who does the you know certain thing, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, how do you think rom coms will evolve in the future? Um, I'm hoping that we get more because a lot of like traditional rom coms are are um, men women, and so yeah. I'm we've actually gotten I don't think they've been rom coms but more romantic films more drama like romantic dramas like call me by your name is a romance film that was well we have love simon coming love out. simon just came out which is i think it's a rom-com right is that more of a rom-com oh, yeah, definitely okay so i'm i'm looking forward i read the book it's so good. i'm looking forward to seeing more of this genre with they can keep the tropes i'm totally fine with keeping the same tropes but like seeing yeah. um like same sex like seeing yes these films when you put men two two guys in the same situation or put two mm-hmm. two women or uh anything of that sort like or it's you know um a trans woman trans woman like it can be anybody a, so i'm looking you know. to see it be different like if they want to keep the same rom-com tropes like i'm totally there for it because i love Heck them yeah. but i want to see them too. switch up the characters make things a little bit different like like i like that they have just flipped it on its head a little bit and now having the woman make the grand gesture so it's not always Mm -hmm. like him but also keeping some of the other stuff like oh i think i'm in love with this person but i really love like i think i'm in love with my boss but i'm really in love with james marsden and 27 Mm -hmm. dresses like i love that i love that they're bringing in more of this like sexual portion of it but get away from the slut shaming (laughs) Like, yes, back exactly. away, like, get away from that. Like, bring in more of those sexual undertones about, like, people being together or the person having a very advanced, like, sexual history. Because that's fine. Like, those things like that are mm-hmm. fine. So it'll yeah. be nice to see where it goes. Because they have this yes. world of opportunity to make these incredible rom-coms that people will love. Because it's still got everything that they want, but it's just bringing in a little extra something. Well, and I, like... I feel like the R-rated comedy is big right now, or definitely was big, like, five years ago. Mm-hmm. But, like, if even if you want to make an R-rated rom-com, oh, please. that's fine. Please. Like, that's good, too. I'm here for it. So, I'm here for it. Let's do it. Awesome. Any final thoughts or tidbits? Um, there are so many rom-coms out there that are not mainstream. 
uh, films mm-hmm. that a lot of people saw. Like, definitely watch What's Your Number because it is so funny. It was an independent film, I think. And it's like, if you love Chris Evans, you're gonna, this is like pinnacle great Chris Evans stuff. <laughs> and like, Anna Ferris is funny. I will tell you that it's hilarious because Chris Pratt plays one of her ex-boyfriends. So this is back when they were like still together. And like, every time she goes somewhere, she runs into Chris Pratt's character. <laughs> Which is amazing because in When in Rome, Dax Shepard is, is one of the suitors yes, yes, for Kristen Bell. Yes. Like, and he's always like taking off his shirt and it's like, God, don't we look beautiful together? <laughs> <laughs> but like, I love in What's Your Number because she's like trying to get across town to the right wedding and she can't get there. So she like bursts into this church and it's Chris Pratt getting married to another person. And all he yells at the front is like, oh, come on. <laughs> It's so funny. Oh, my God. It's so amazing. What's your number? Great film. Like, all of these movies, so, so good. I still haven't seen yes. Trainwreck, so I need to, like, add that to my list of films I need to see. Oh, I think you'd love it. Um, I think you'd love it. Definitely watch, like, more of the movies from, like, the early 90s, because every single oh, one of yes. them is incredible. Um, I'm talking Runaway Bride. I'm talking... <gasps> Which is basically like the sequel to Pretty Woman. Yes. Because it is Richard Gere and Julia Julia Roberts. I almost put that on my list, to be honest. But I was like, no, I'm going to go with these super, like, these ones. Because... Can we talk about how, like, rom-coms brought out, like, some queen actresses? <gasps> like, Meg Ryan, Sandra Bullock, Julia Roberts. Oh, my God. Like, without... Classic. I, the 90s was, like, this pinnacle time for like rom-coms and just the best pairings like tom hanks really made his like tom hanks is my favorite actor so like he really made his splash like in this area because he is just a great rom-com like actor and his relationship that he shares with meg ryan because they did two films together they did sleepless in seattle and you've got mail and yes let me did they do another one too i think they might have done one more but like he's been in so many he was in splash which is a great film which is dumb joe versus i think he was in joe versus the volcano with meg ryan too that might okay. be it but he oh my god just <laughs> just i'm gonna I'm put a list to like watch these movies <laughs> other recommended exactly. so check out our show notes for that yes well i think that's perfect time to wrap this up so the notes for this episode and all of our other episodes are available on our website, teatimewithkc.com. Feel free to reach out to us via Twitter or Instagram by using the handle at teatimewithkc. We are also on Facebook at facebook.com slash teatimewithkc. And also, if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions for future episodes, please feel free to email us at teawithkc at gmail.com don't forget to rate review subscribe to this podcast on apple podcast or wherever you download your podcasts also don't forget to check out the other podcasts on geek to geek podcast network by visiting geek to geekcast.com and you can also chat with us in real time by downloading the messaging app slack and joining our slack channel at geek to geekcast.slack.com until next time bye bye <laughs> Thank you for listening. Join us next time for another cup of tea.